It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. As Hurdle will take the draw against Lundestrom and he wins it. Meyer put it back, Carlson back for Meyer, score! Timo Meyer knew exactly what he was gonna do the moment that that puck was won by Hurdle. He tapped it back to Eric Carlson, he headed for the front of the net, and Carlson put it right on the tape. Timo Meyer ripped it, and the Sharks have tied the game 2-2 on the goal by Timo Meyer for Timo. That is goal number five on the year. All right, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the buildup as we get ready for what will be our first day of three Sharks games in four days. That's right. We've got a game coming up tonight against the Blues in St. Louis, tomorrow night in Dallas, off day on Saturday, that feels rare, and then Sunday afternoon, they are going to be in Minnesota taking on the Wild, then they're going to be in Vegas on Tuesday the 15th, before coming home on Thursday the 17th to face the Red Wings, and then Saturday night to host the Rangers, then a Monday night against the Senators, before they go back out onto the road to face Seattle. Let's take a look at standings as we get ready for this afternoon's slate and this evening's slate of games overall. In the Atlantic Division, Boston still leading 11-2 overall. Surprisingly, Detroit 7-3-3. They're in second in that division, followed by Florida, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Montreal, Buffalo, and Ottawa. In the Metro, New Jersey leading that division, followed by the Islanders, Carolina, Philadelphia, the Rangers, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Columbus. As always, it is early. I do expect things to change, but there's some obvious surprises there so far. In the Central, Winnipeg leading the division, followed by Dallas, Colorado, Chicago, Arizona, Minnesota, Nashville, and St. Louis. And then in the Pacific, Vegas in the lead, followed by Seattle, then L.A., Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Anaheim, and your San Jose Sharks. This afternoon's slate of games, if you are listening to the version that starts at 4.10, these games are just getting underway. The Flames visiting the Bruins, the Golden Knights at the Sabres, the Red Wings play host to the Rangers, the Hurricanes will see the Oilers come to town, the Devils playing host to the Senators, the Blue Jackets welcoming the Flyers, then at 4.30, the Coyotes taking on the Islanders, at 6 o'clock, the Predators visit the Avalanche, and at 7.30, the Kings play host to the Blackhawks and, of course, your San Jose Sharks. Pre-game coverage starts here live on the Sharks Audio Network at 4.30 this afternoon. And then at 5, you'll see them take on the Blues. Taking a look at other stories around the NHL before we begin on some Sharks talk. The Mitchell Miller situation. Um, unbelievable that Boston decided to make that move. I will never understand why a franchise as proud as them decided to dip, dip, their, dip their toe in that water. Um, and I am all for the comeback stories and people redeeming themselves. However, I think there's certain stories where redemption takes longer, where there needs to be more work and effort shown, and that has not taken place on the behalf of what Mitchell Miller had done. I will say this, watching Cam Neely's press conference, the president of the Bruins, um, if you don't appreciate Jonathan Becker up to this point, you really, really should. Not that I think that 
um, Neely said anything that was necessarily wrong. It's just the fact that the Sharks with Jonathan Becker have an individual they can put out in front of the franchise, allow him to be part of that face of the franchise, and it allows them to explain things uh, more eloquently with more clarity. And I also think that in the Bay Area, and you would have assumed for the Boston Bruins, uh, we just have a greater understanding of these things. And that doesn't mean that the Sharks haven't made mistakes before or that any team in the Bay Area hasn't made any mistake uh, but it just feels like in this day and age, you've got to be that much better and that much more aware of what the landscape is when you go and you make any move. You know, how well have you vetted a player's past? How much do you look at what has been associated with them? How well do you think that this, you know, this comeback story, these attempts that have really been made versus what you're willing to allow yourself to listen to? And I think that goes for every team in the NHL because, you know, I do think that the NHL leans very heavily on that. We're a character league. We look at what our guys do. We only take so much. I mean, you've got Patrice Bergeron, uh, you know, Brad Marchand talking about how they would not stand for that kind of thing, being associated with their franchise. When you have team leaders, when you have the team captain speaking out, you know you've made a mistake. And what is amazing to me, and I would think this would happen with the San Jose Sharks if they were going to undertake something that was relatively controversial, I think they would go to Logan Couture. I think they would go to Tomas Hurdle. I think they would go to a Mario Ferraro and say, hey, how do you feel about this? And I think that's important. It needs to be from the top down. And I know that, yes, there are unilateral powers in the NHL that allow uh, you know, presidents and owners and GMs to make moves. But at the same time, those franchises that have the greatest level of success, they do make sure those lines of communication are clear from the top to the bottom. If you don't believe me, then go out and look at the Golden State Warriors as another example outside of what we have seen in the NHL specifically. You never want to alienate your players. You never want to alienate your fan base. You never want to alienate people who feel pride in, in associating your brand with essentially being open-minded and being inclusive and being all the things that the NHL is trying to be in the modern age. And it's not just enough for them to say it. They've got to go out there and do it. The NHL knows how important diversity is, how important it is to be inclusive, and how important it is to make sure that their fans and their players know how much all of these things mean to them, that they do stand for the ideals that they put out there to the public, that it's not a show. I think that's what, in part, made Bruins fans so angry. Is It's like, well, you go out there and you talk all this talk, but then you go and sign somebody who has this type of past behavior. And I, I hope there is redemption for Mitchell Miller, I think that people should have the chance for to redeem themselves in general, but I also think he's got to do a lot more. And I think there is a level of indignation from that situation surrounding him in terms of the punishment he's received to where maybe he hasn't learned his lesson. I do know that in something that is relatively hard to prove, he was convicted in a juvenile court of bullying. I want everybody to think about that. And he wasn't just bullying someone who was, you know, a student appear just like him. He was bullying somebody with developmental disabilities, which again, just takes it to another level of horrifying all the way around. And then you have the optics of it being white students doing this to a black student with developmental disabilities. Again, it's horrifying all around. And it is stunning to me that the Boston Bruins ever decided that this could be a good idea or would be a good idea. And I would hope that they learned their lesson, and I would hope that the rest of the NHL learned from their lesson learning as well. 
Another story uh, that I wanted to touch on real briefly was Evander Kane taking that skate to the wrist and suffering a deep cut. I know there are some of you that are not big Evander Kane fans, but I don't like to see anybody get hurt, especially not a scary injury like that when you get a deep cut by a blade and suddenly you know that blood starts pouring out on the ice. That is scary no matter who it happens to. And again, just want him to have a fast and safe recovery. All right, looking at tonight's game, uh, we did speak with Ho- Coach David Quinn a little bit earlier this morning. One of the changes that he did mention is that Noah Gregor is going to be in the lineup. Lawrence is out. Um, for Noah Gregor, it's a guy who has been you know more out than in for the lineup this year. And Noah Gregor, to me, was one of the guys who I was looking at who needed to have um, a, a better season A to prove himself to the Sharks to maybe get a, a longer deal. And then just his offensive success could help the Sharks this year. And the Sharks offense has not been amazing this year. I don't think that's a way of uh, overemphasizing the obvious. But you do look at what Noah Gregor brings to the ice. And he has great speed, no doubt about that. He has a, a high m- level of a motor in terms of his effort that he puts forth out there on the ice. And it's something that I you know, think that for him he needs to have consistency in the lineup And I would like to see him in that lineup more and more and more. And I think that he's an effort guy. He goes out there and he plays a hard-nosed game. And I don't know why he's fallen out of favor, but it does go to my overall, you know, thoughts of what we've seen this year versus what we saw last year. You know, the Sharks last year with Noah Gregor in the lineup won with greater regularity than they have this year. And if we talk about the differences between last year's lineup and this year's lineup, I mean, last year's lineup had a lot more rookies and younger players in it. And I do think that the fact that the Sharks are not performing as well this year, you know, there's uh, there's gotta be some takeaway from that, right? I don't know what the correct takeaway is, but it does, you know, pop up in my mind like, hey, why is that happening? What are we looking at? Why do we see certain things continually going down for the San Jose Sharks this year as opposed to the way it did last year? And yes, I know that the loss of Brent Burns is a huge loss, But at the same time, the Sharks have more established veterans in their lineup this year. They have more guys up and down the lineup who have done, who have played more games and have had greater levels of success in the NHL. So you do have to wonder if the Sharks were, you know, winning more games last year with a Noah Gregor in the lineup, then why aren't we seeing more of that as we continue forward? And I am not saying that Noah Gregor individually is the answer for the San Jose Sharks. I just want to know why a lineup that has more veterans is not seeing greater results. And I I wonder if there is something to this idea of bringing up younger players and getting a little bit more of that youthful energy and that overall desire to be in the lineup and prove themselves at the NHL level. Because again, the Sharks were better last year than they are this year. And they were playing consistently more inexperienced players. And I don't think that's an unusual reaction for any of us to be having to what we've seen with the Sharks up to this point of the year, because I know it's been one of my most consistent questions. The Sharks roster was not as good last year. Why were they winning more games? And again, I know this is a broken record argument, but I go, hey, this time last year, the Sharks had about six to seven regulars out of the lineup, including their head coach, but they were still able to get some pretty big wins. And again, it's not an apples to apples comparison, totally and 1000% aware of that. But I would just like to see a little bit more urgency from the Sharks, I guess, is what I'm looking at indirectly. Because, you know, that game against Anaheim the other night in which they had a painful loss in a shootout when all was said and done, their third consecutive one, I guess all I can say at this point is that I guess I would like to see more urgency. I guess that's the best way to look at this. Get more urgency. 
and play the game to the finish. We have seen far too many games in recent Sharks memory where they have been up or they have been in it or they've been going to overtime or they've been able to, you know, win a game in overtime and just they haven't played the full 60 or 65 minutes. You know, I it's it's amazing. I, I mean, I, I could not have predicted this scenario in particular over that homestand in which they were in a position to win almost every game and somehow managed to lose all of them except for the one against Toronto. And I understand they got some points out of it. You can take solace in that. They got five out of a possible 12 points on that homestand. But there was a chance for them to get 10. And there was a chance for them to completely turn their season around. And I know that things have been relatively better for the San Jose Sharks, but now you just have to hope that it continues to get more than relatively better, that the improvement yields results that it has them performing at a higher level and it has them being able to play a better game. And it can't just be all on Eric Carlson. It can't just be all on Timo Meyer. You need to have Tomas Hurdle. He got, you know, he got one in the back of the net again. Hopefully that can continue building. You need everybody. You need Noah Gregor. You need, you know, every contributing member of that Sharks team to give you all that they can give right now. And I know that, again, some of you are looking to this as saying, hey, you know, tank for Bedard. Like, I'm sorry, that's not the way that I'm ever going to look at it. You've got to be able to figure out how you can get the most out of your team. Coach Quinn talked about Tomas Hurdle earlier today and some of the relative struggle that he's faced as Tomas Hurdle will be playing in his 600th NHL game tonight. Well, he's certainly gotten better and better. And I thought his best game of the year was the other night against Anaheim. You know, obviously he's a big guy. He's got a lot of skill and you know, the year started in a funny way for him. You know, we go to Europe. He's got so much pressure being over there. And uh, he's such a big-hearted person that he, you know, he took it. Going over to play in his hometown was a big, big deal to him. And I think it was uh, drained him emotionally. And you can just see that his game continues to get better and better. He's such a skilled, big, strong player. And there aren't a lot of guys like him in the league. And, you know, it was really happened for him the other night, uh, playing the way he did, getting a goal. And he certainly looks like he's going in the right direction. And he was asked about what makes Hurdle so special when he is at his best. Well, he holds those, he holds the puck. He creates offense. You know, he's physical in all three zones. And when I say that, I don't mean running around. I mean, the game presents plenty of opportunity to be physical. And, you know, when he's in his battles and he's using his best as a puck a lot more. And I thought that's what I think that's what he's been doing a lot more often. Quinn also talked about what he's been seeing from Oscar Lindblom. Well, he's a guy that you know, plays fast. He's on top of people, causes turnovers, responsible defensively. And, you know, you're starting to see he's, he's making some plays too. And, you know, to me, that's, that's when he's at his best. And, you know, he and I've had some conversations about it. He's had a level of frustration from his end of it. Uh, but, you know, he's a good player and we're going to need him. And again, another guy that, you know, we feel good about the direction of his game. And I think this is all part of what has made the San Jose Sharks so frustrating up to this point of the year is that you do feel good about the direction of everyone. If we track back from where they were at the start of the year to where they are now, it feels like things have been trending in the right direction, but at the same time, the results aren't there. And that's why you look at the little things. You look at the mental errors. You look at the fact that Tomas Hurdle hasn't been what you expected him to be. And even the same of Timo Meyer, even if he's gotten better as of late. You didn't expect Eric Carlson to you know, turn back the clock to 2017. But at the same time, the Sharks have not been able to capitalize upon that. And so you start wondering, like, okay, why are these things happening? Why are they not able to capitalize on them, like I said, and turn them into two points? And I think it just continues to come down to some of the mental errors that we've seen, these mental mistakes, and they keep on rearing their heads at the worst time. I mean, I go back 
to the last five minutes of that game against Anaheim the other night. You're up 4-2. I don't understand why the urgency wasn't there to the same extent that it should be. I, you know, I don't know how they can let those goals go in. I don't know how they can't be playing. They should be, you know, just overall taking it down the duck's throat. They should be hammering them. They should be doing everything they can to put the game out of reach. Instead, as has been the Sharks' issue as of late, they, you know, slumped their shoulders a little bit or they exhaled a little bit too early. And when all was said and done, it turned into a shootout loss again. And then you had that little bit of a lapse at the start and finish of the Tampa game, which is probably the difference between getting one point or two point. Or you are slow out of the gate in the first period in any number of games this year. Or it's just, you know, you see these problems. It's like you have to be ready to go the minute the puck hits the ice. It's one of the reasons why the Sharks have had trouble with goals off of faceoffs. It doesn't feel like they have 100% been ready and 100% raring to go. And that's obviously what they need to be. And, you know, if they keep on losing, I don't know if more shakeups are going to occur. I don't know if they are going to be overall, you know, more displeased about what they've been doing or, you know, get angrier or make changes with the lineups. But you just have to feel like if you keep on doing the exact same thing and keep on getting the same results and expecting something different, then, you know, that's the armchair analyst definition of insanity, right? I think no matter what, you have to keep your best players out there on the ice. But at the same time, I would not be surprised if we did see a Ryan Merkley make his way back up into the lineup. Or I would not be surprised if some of the other younger guys made their way up into the lineup. I I think that you'll probably not see a Thomas Bordalo or a William Eklund anytime soon because I think the idea is they do not want them to be um, burdened with some of the troubles that the Sharks have been having up to this point of the year. And I I do understand why that direction is being taken and they're young enough to where I don't think it's going to be problematic for their development. But, you know, maybe we do. And again, I am not looking at what this team can do to suddenly make them a, a contender. You know, my thought was entering the year that they should have been a bubble type team and that they would kind of contend until they were out of it, similar to last year, and maybe something went right. But the way this year has started off through 14 games, 3-8-3, and you know, that assessment was clearly incorrect. And again, the fact that they are getting worse results than a year ago while having uh, more established veterans in the lineup, it just makes it all that much more troubling. And why, I think, again, we've seen the level of play from the Sharks improve, but it's not getting the wins. And again, this is a team tonight in St. Louis that is not playing good hockey. They are 3-8-0 and probably looking at the Sharks like a team that they can beat. So I I think we're in for a good game tonight as both these teams have a lot to prove, but at some point the Sharks specifically have to be able to turn these trends of improvement into wins, into more sustained results. And, you know, maybe if they don't, then maybe we do see moves. I mean, we heard those rumors out there that the Sharks were willing to put potentially anybody but Tomas Hurdle out there on the trade market, and maybe you know, maybe that's the type of shakeup it, it, it takes. Maybe that's one of those things we have to see for everybody to understand just exactly where they are and what it's going to take. Because right now, the overall feel is that of a team that is maybe just a little bit hungover from a start of a season where it was in Europe and it was under the guise of change and it was under lowered expectations. And you know, sometimes you need that shakeup to get everybody to kind of snap back to reality and say, oh. Okay, we've got to get this rolling. We've got to figure things out. And again, this is not a contending team. This is not a team that is expected to do great things when all is said and done. That's not how I'm looking at the Sharks. I am simply asking them to play more up to their level. And that's been the most frustrating part out of everything we've seen. They have not played up to their level. They have not been 
as good as everyone expected them to be. And as we watch them get deeper and deeper into the year and continue to have these troubles, then it becomes more and more something that it's harder to pull out of. And, you know, bad seasons can have hangovers as well. And that's another thing that I don't want to see happen. I don't want the culture of losing to be something consistent with the Sharks. All right, we're out of time. Join us at 4.30 for live pregame coverage right here on the Sharks Audio Network for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.